Well, just to catch you up, if you've not been with us for the last several weeks, we're going through a Bible teaching series where we are looking at all of these internal struggles that we face. And we've talked through depression and anxiety. We've looked at what it means to to be stressed and overwhelmed and under pressure. Talked about the temptations of our sin and that constant internal struggle and battle we have with temptations and sin. Uh, We we see those inside of us and we recognize that struggle inside of us. And we want to talk through them because we want to see how God relates to us in the midst of those battles, in the midst of those internal struggles. And we know this, they don't just stay inside. No, those internal battles, they begin to to manipulate even our emotions. It changes our attitudes, our thoughts, our decision-making. It impacts relationships around us. So we want to look at not how to fix these problems. We want to know how does God meet us where we are and how does he lead us through those internal struggles and those battles that we face within us every single day. So that's kind of what we've been talking through. And I'm asking you to do four things throughout this series. And if you've been here for this series, you're like, yes, we get it, we get it. I'm going to say it every single week so you don't forget. Four things I'm asking of you during this series. The first is to pray and pray a lot. Pray for your family, pray for your friends, pray for yourselves, pray for our church family, pray for the people next to you. In fact, if you are here last week, we took that to another level and you actually got somebody to pray for. So I've been praying for my two people this last week. Hopefully that's still been part of your rhythms that we carry one another's burdens and we pray for one another. Second thing I would ask of you is that you would be in your Bible. Specifically, what we talk about this morning, that you would dive back in and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you personally throughout this week. It's not just, oh, we read that story, great, move on. No, like keep leaning in, reread the passages and allow God's word to continue to speak to you throughout the week. Third one is to use our next step team. We talk that we are called to carry one another's burdens. This team that shows up every Sunday after services and stands right up here on on the front of the stage, they are here to do that for you, to pray with you, to talk with you, to help you navigate those internal struggles and those battles that you're facing, to just know that you don't have to walk through life alone. We stumble in the right direction, but we don't do that alone. So use that team, come up after service and just talk with somebody. They'd love to be able to point you in the right direction. And lastly, We say that counseling is a sign of strength, not weakness. And so if that's a next step for you, we'd love to help connect you with some great counselors in the area. We don't have any counselors on staff, but email us at info at localchurchdawson.com and we will send you several uh, great references and recommendations and help you find uh, the right counselor, the right specialty that uh, fits you and where you are at. So however we can help, that's kind of the bottom line. However we can help, we wanna be here to walk with you through this journey. Let me read out of Psalms, we'll pray, and we'll dive into our passage this morning. Hopefully this kind of sets the tone uh, for where we are going this morning. Psalm chapter 73, verse 26, we're told this. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Let's make that our prayer. God, we come before and we recognize the, the battles within We recognize the struggles we constantly deal with, whether those are physical struggles and tensions and difficulties, or whether those are the tensions and battles and struggles of our soul and within our spirit, within our mind and our heart. God, we deal with the struggles all day, every day. But may our strength come from you. May our heart's desire to be to chase after you. Like we just sang, we surrender to you and you're the only one that we're chasing after. 
So God, as we open up your word today, would you speak to us individually and personally? Holy Spirit, would you, would you knock on the doors of our heart? Would you encourage us? Would you comfort us? Would you convict us as you speak to us? Speak, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I talked about my lack of strength last week. I'm going to talk about my height today just for a little bit, and then I'm going to move on past my physical appearance. Uh, so I am short, and because I am short, I feel like I go through my day trying to achieve the impossible regularly. Uh, the simple things in life are impossible for somebody of my height. For example, changing a light bulb, it's impossible. I cannot, now that makes for a great excuse at home. Every time Becky says, Brian, we need the light bulb. She's like, no, 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 no. Go find somebody taller. I can't do it. I am too short to change the light bulbs. Even washing the cars, I cannot wash the top of our cars. It's just impossible. It's too high up. I'm too short. I cannot reach it. Pretty much anything in my kitchen, I cannot reach. Which again, gets me out of the dishes sometimes. Uh, it's, it's, if it's on a shelf, there's no way I can possibly get it. I can't reach any of the top shelves. I can't reach certain food items. I cannot reach the glasses. I cannot reach the nice, the, the nice silverware. I cannot reach because it is just that. I'm short and it is out of reach. All right, so because of that, the things I'm trying to get to feel impossible. Right? Anything within my graphs, no problem whatsoever. It's an easy, it's an easy reach. But anything that is beyond what I can reach, I can just strain and I can get on my tiptoes and I can try as hard as I want. I can have a great intention. I can do all kinds of things, but I'm never going to be able to actually reach anything outside of my reach because I am short. It is impossible. Now, here's what I want you to catch is there's, there's a gap between what I can reach and the things I'd like to be able to reach. There's a gap between what I can reach and what maybe is being asked of me to reach. That gap feels impossible. And when we walk through life, regardless of how tall or short you are, there are aspects of our lives where we just can't reach. We just can't get there. We can't understand. We can't comprehend. We don't know how it's possible. We don't know how it's going to be possible. Some of that gap, we might use the word of uncertainty. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know how that's going to work because I can only wrap my head around this part of it. I don't know how that's going to happen. Uncertainty. That gap could also be described as an impossibility. This is what I am capable of, and you want me to do that? There's a gap there, and it seems impossible. There's another word that describes that gap between what you can reach and what you cannot reach, and this is the word we're going to talk about today. Here's the word, doubt doubt. I can understand it. I can reach it. I get it. I can even make it happen. But anything beyond my reach, oh, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know. Who, if I can't do it, I don't know who else is going to be able to do that. And doubt begins to creep in, and doubt lives in that gap of what I can reach and what I cannot reach. That's where doubt begins to live. You know what's exciting? Do you know what else lives in that gap of what you can reach and what you can't reach? Faith also lives in that gap, right? Faith is, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to take a step towards it. I don't know how God's going to provide, but I'm going to take a step and trust him. I don't know how this is going to make sense and how this is going to work because I don't understand it and I can't comprehend it, but I'm going to trust in Jesus and I'm going to keep stepping forward. There's things that you can reach. 
doesn't require any faith. The things that you can reach don't require any trust. It's when we start looking at what we cannot reach, what we cannot understand, what seems impossible and uncertain, that's when we need to recognize our doubts, because doubts live there, but also allow our faith to grow. So what's the solution there? What's the solution? Sometimes when we try to reach the unreachable, we say the words or a phrase like, well, there's too much doubt, there's too much uncertainty, it seems impossible, so I'm just not going to bother. And we walk away. Oftentimes when we, or if you've heard the phrase, walking away from faith, if you have a conversation with somebody that has walked away from the faith, it usually happens because of something in that gap. Usually, not always, but usually something that has happened in that gap of not understanding, or it seems impossible, or it's too uncertain. Doesn't make sense. There's another option, though, that's not walking away. There's another option, which is why we have a bunch of these in my house. It almost feels like every room has one of these for me. Here's the other option. When I cannot reach, I can walk away or I can rely on something or someone else to get me there. If relying on my own strength and abilities, I'll never reach. I'll never reach there. So I need some help. It's okay to ask for help. We ask for help and I take a step. I can reach a little bit more, but maybe I still can't get there. So then I take another step, a step into that gap of uncertainty and into that gap of the impossible. And I reach just a little bit more, but I'm still not there. So then I need to keep asking for help. And I keep taking steps until I'm able to reach what used to be impossible. I can now reach what I used to not be able to reach on my own. What I used to have doubts about, all of a sudden, the steps of faith have led me to a place where, oh, I didn't think that was possible. On my own, very much impossible. On your own, very much impossible. We are not called to have faith on our own, though. We need someone to help us grow and take steps with our faith. So the passage we're going to look at today is all about those steps. We're going to see the gap of doubt from what can be reached to what is being asked of, right? There's a big gap there. Do we walk away or do we lean in? So if you have your Bibles, hopefully you do. Mark chapter 9, we're going to be looking at a passage that has a whole lot of doubt, a whole lot of impossible, and a whole lot of faith. And maybe this hits you where you're at as you are struggling internally. We all have these, if we're willing to admit it. We all have some doubts. We're all walking through impossibilities. There's all kinds of uncertainties and unknowns. What do we do with them? What do we do with that gap of what we can reach and cannot reach? We'll break it up into a few sections. Mark chapter 9, let's get through the first part. We'll talk about it, and then we'll get into a beautiful dialogue between a man with doubt and Jesus. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of the law were arguing with them. So Jesus and uh, Peter, James, and John, they were walking down. They see the rest of the disciples, and there's like this chaotic scene happening. A lot of arguments, a lot of disagreements, and as we're going to see, a lot of doubt. Verse 15, when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher... I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. 
So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. It's impossible. No one's been able to help, not even your disciples. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Let's talk about the scene. So Jesus and a few of his disciples have been away. You can read about that earlier in chapter nine. They come down to just a chaotic mess. It's like parents, when you walk into the room and like, whoa, 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 time out, what is happening? Why are you arguing and fighting and put that down? How did that get up there? That's what it feels like. So Jesus walks in and is like, man, whoa, 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 like, what is all the arguing about? Because you have disciples, you have these religious leaders, the scribes, and you have this man, this father who brought his demon-possessed son. And they're all arguing and bickering, and it's a chaotic scene. Jesus says, what is going on? The father speaks up and says, well, I'm trying to get help for my son. Here's the situation, and I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And the religious leaders are here because they're arguing about, well, what power is Jesus actually using? Where does this power come from? So there's just a lot of chaos, a lot of uncertainty, but bottom line, this man is looking for help for his son, and no one's been able to help. That's the scene. And then we see Jesus's response. This might catch some of you off guard, uh, depending on how you maybe grew up or your view of Jesus. Sometimes Jesus says things, you're like, that didn't seem very nice. Jesus wasn't always nice, kind, compassionate, gracious, loving, merciful, forgiving. Yes, nice, maybe not. Look at what he says, you faithless people. There's nothing nice about those words. <laughs> How long must I be with you? Still not very nice. How long must I put up with you? Doesn't seem very nice. Bring the boy to me, compassionate. All right, so we don't see a lot of nice. We see a lot of compassion, but here's what I want you to understand. Let me take a little bit of this edge off because I've said similar phrases. Let me compare it in this way. At the end of the day, I have three children, ages 11, eight, and six. So they have been alive and in my house for 11 years, eight years, and six years. And we get to the end of the day. And for the last 11 years, eight years, and six years, I've asked the same question. Did you guys brush your teeth? And parents, the resounding answer is always, no, it's not in my house. I would like to say it's yes, but the resounding answer is typically no. And then I say, you faithless children. How long must I be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Nothing's changed. We do this every single night. Will you ever become an adult that can brush their teeth without me? No, <laughs> that's what it feels like. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, guys, we've been through this. We've talked about this. In fact, if you want some extra Bible study, uh, read Mark chapter three and Mark chapter six, and you'll see a lot more context in here and why Jesus is even saying this. We've talked about this. Why? Why is this still a conversation? Where's your faith? We've been through this before, but I love his compassion, but bring the boy to me. Let me remind you again. Let me help you again. So does that make sense? That Jesus is trying to help them understand what faith and growing in faith looks like without Jesus always telling them. But he wants them to obviously rely on him as well. And we'll see that later on. So verse 20, here's what happens next. So they brought the boy, 
But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. Will you let that phrase just, that sentence sink in? How long have you been dealing with this? For as long as he's been alive. How long has this difficulty been taking place? For as long as I can remember. Since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Do you hear the desperation? Do you hear the despair of this father that has been trying to help his son since he was a little boy for as long as he can remember? I'm just trying to help him. I'm trying to get him better and I don't know what to do and nothing seems to work. And every time the spirit throws him into a convulsion, he's having to jump in and save his son's life again and again and again. And he's running out of options. He can't reach much further. He can't understand why. There's a lot of doubt. We know there's a lot of doubt because of this man's language. Do you see the last part of this? Have mercy on us and help us. Do you remember what he said next? If you can. Jesus, I don't know what else to do. Your disciples couldn't help him. No other religious leaders could help him. No other doctors can help him. I don't understand it. I don't know what else to do. So here we are. I can only reach this far. So if you can, would you have mercy? If you can, would you help? But it seems impossible. Nothing about this request seems possible. This man, this desperate father that's in despair has a lot of doubts. And those doubts are understandable. Absolutely understandable. When we're trying to achieve or trying to reach something beyond our reach, doubts come into play and it seems impossible. Notice that his if statement was pointed at Jesus specifically. If you can. Now, I don't think he's being antagonistic here, but it is Nobody else can, Jesus, so would you help us if you can? In other words, Jesus, I don't know if you are powerful enough. I don't know if you are capable. I don't know if you are able. If you can. Jesus' response back, verse 23, love this. What do you mean, if I can? Man, just Jesus bowed up just a little bit, didn't he? If I can, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. Notice what Jesus does here. He turns this back around on this poor father. What do you mean, if I can? Yes, I can. I am not the problem. My power is not the problem. My abilities are not the problem. My compassion is not the problem. If you believe, in other words, it's your faith that we need to talk about. It's your belief that we need to talk about, not about, Jesus is saying, not about my power and me. It, it's, it's really up to you. I can. Jesus can. It's not a question. Please hear me on this. When we're trying to reach beyond what we can actually reach and there's that gap of doubt, it's not a question of Jesus's power. It's a question of our faith and our belief. That's what Jesus was getting. He was turning it back around on this man. And again, I love this dialogue. I love this man's response. The father instantly cried out. He didn't think about it. Well, let me kind of, Jesus, I don't know if I agree with you on that. Like, no, this is instant. 
when the father instantly cried out, verse 24, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Yes, I believe. You said anything is possible. I want my son healed. So yes, I absolutely believe, but not completely. <laughs> yes, I have faith, just not a lot right now. I do believe, but I also have some unbelief. It feels like a contradiction, doesn't it? I do believe. You're going to have to help me overcome my unbelief. I thought you just said you believed. I thought you just said you had faith, and now you're struggling with your faith. And often we see those as a contradiction. And if we see it as a contradiction, here's the problem. Then it becomes one or the other. I either have belief or I have doubts. And if I have doubts, I must not believe. That's a dangerous uh, thought process. And that's not what we see here. They're not a contradiction. We can hold belief and unbelief in different hands, but still hold both of them. We can do this in other aspects of life too, right? Take, take uh, sadness or mourning and joy. We can hold both of those. You ever been to a funeral where you are just devastated and you're hurt because the relationship is gone, but you know they're in a better place and you're glad they're not suffering anymore. You can hold mourning and joy in two different hands, but still hold them. You can hold anger and gratitude at the same time. Did you know that? You can be angry about a situation, but thankful for how God is still working and moving. You can be angry that something happened, but you can be thankful that you have somebody next to you walking through. So you can be angry. At the same time, you can be grateful. We see the same thing with belief and unbelief, faith and doubts. Let's do this together. Hold out one hand. Doesn't matter which one. Grab me a hand. All right. We're going to talk about what you believe. What do you believe? What do you have belief in? Like begin to think through that. So for example, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. I believe that salvation only comes through Jesus. He says that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. I believe that. I believe that God loved me so much and loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins. I believe that. There's a lot of things that we could put in this hand and say, I believe this. Now, okay, go ahead and shut your, shut your hand there. You, all right, you got your beliefs? Hold on to your beliefs. All right, now let's open up the other hand. What do you doubt today? What do you have doubts about? Financially, I, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Relationally, I mean, it's really tough at home. I don't see a way that we make it through this together. In the workplace, I don't know how much longer I can keep waking up and doing the same thing every day. What, are, is, it, what is it for you? What, what, what are your doubts? What are, what's in the gap of what you can reach and what you can't reach? Now close those. You got both, don't you? You've got things you believe. You also have some things that you've got some unbelief with. You've got your faith. You also have your doubts. Please hear this. Having doubts does not mean you do not believe. Doesn't make you a lesser Christian. It means you have room for your faith to grow. And last time I checked, that's a great thing. But what do our doubts do? We said this earlier. Do your doubts cause you to walk away? Uh, There's just too much, it's too uncertain, it's too unknown, it's too impossible, I'm done? Or does it cause you to lean in and move in to the one who can? One note about this man's disbelief, his unbelief, his lack of faith. It wasn't out of a rebellious heart. Like, that's important to note. It's not as, I believe, but I'm, 
No, it's, it's I believe and I want to believe. I want you to help me. Like that's an important aspect of this man's doubts is those doubts were causing him to move to Jesus. Those doubts were actually causing him to ask for help. I can't get there on my own. I can't do this on my own. I can't just have more faith. So Jesus, you're gonna have to help me with that part. You're gonna have to bridge that gap because it's too much for me. It was not out of a rebellious heart. Last thing to point out here. Notice there's a switch that happens. He comes to the disciples asking for healing for his son. I need my boy to get better. He's advocating on his behalf. And even in his language where where he talks with Jesus, he says, have mercy on us, help us if you can. He's still focusing on, on his son, which is understandable. But something changes in this last part. He says, I do believe, but help, did you catch it? Help me overcome my unbelief. This is an interesting switch. I'm going to talk about this in prayer because this man is having a dialogue with Jesus. That's prayer for us. What if, just what if, when we're talking about our doubts and the things that we don't have a lot of belief in, what if we ask Jesus to grow our faith more than we asked him to just solve all of our problems? Because he switches here. He started with, help us if you can, fix my problem, heal my son, do something about the situation, Jesus, if you can. And then the, a couple interactions with Jesus, and he ends up saying, you know what, just help me with my unbelief. Help me with my faith. What a beautiful change of heart. We're so quick. Jesus just fixed this. Jesus just solved this. Jesus take care of this. What if we had a change of heart and said, Jesus, there's a lot going on that I'm having struggles with and I'm having a lot of doubts and I don't believe how all of this is gonna work out. I can't see it. I can't understand it. You're asking me to do the impossible here. So instead of Jesus fix it, instead of Jesus do it for me, it's Jesus, would you change my heart to grow my faith? Would you actually use this situation to grow my faith, to deepen my faith, to mature my faith, to increase my faith? What a beautiful change of heart. It's not just fix it. Grow my faith. Make my faith deeper. Verse 25, we're going to finish out the story, and then we'll kind of go back in and pull a few things apart. Verse 25, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers, uh, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. There's a whole other sermon there. John 15 is a helpful if you want to dig in a little bit more. I told you Mark 3, Mark 6, John 15. Um, there's a lot we can talk about, but we're not going to talk about that one today. It's another day. But let's go back through a couple of things. I want to highlight a few things here. First one is let's, let's go back to this father and his doubts. We said that you can hold on to belief and unbelief, faith and doubt. You can hold on to those at the exact same time. So let's pay attention to what this father, what this man did when he was holding on to both. Because when you hold on to both, there is the danger, and it's even maybe a tendency for some of us to say, 
I recognize I have some faith, but I'm also seeing all of these doubts. And if we're not careful, those doubts begin to cause us to walk away from the faith we have. And we don't see that with this man. We see him bring his faith and his doubts to Jesus, both of them. And doesn't just bring them to Jesus, he actually asks for help to increase his faith. It's not so much take the doubts away, but increase my faith. It's not fix the situation, but grow my faith. Man, I love that he leaned in to Jesus. He did not walk away when he couldn't reach. When he was dealing with the impossible, he went to Jesus. So let's say that for us as well. Allow your doubts to drive you to Jesus. Have both in your hands. You got to recognize the doubts, but you also have to be able to acknowledge the faith you do have, even if it's just a little bit. Do you know the passage? How much faith do you need? The size of a mustard seed. You don't need much. Bring your faith to Jesus. Jesus, I have faith. We know this man had a little bit of faith because he showed up. He was there with Jesus. Even if he said, if you can, the fact that he was there, even if it was a last resort, he was still there. He had enough faith to say, I think there's something about this man, Jesus. I don't totally understand it. I don't totally get it. I don't even know if I totally believe it, but I'm there. He showed up and he showed up with both. I've got a little faith, but not much, Jesus. So you're gonna have to help me with my, my lack of faith. You're gonna have to help me with my unbelief. Allow your doubts to drive you to Jesus. One author on this subject said it like this. I think this is a beautiful language around it. It sums it up real well. The believer knows that his faith and obedience are always deficient and he will frequently ask God to enable him to live the life that pleases God. Look at this. If left to our own strength and our own faith, we would never make it. Our faith is deficient, meaning it's not as good as it should be. It's not as strong as it needs to be. So does that cause us to walk away? Do we just say, well, it is what it is? Or do we say, God, I want you to increase it. I need you. I have to frequently come back to you so that you can grow my faith, deepen my faith, and increase my faith because I have doubts. I have a lack of faith. And I can't do much about it, so God, I need you to move. I need you to increase my faith. Let's talk about what Jesus does here. The man allowed his doubts to drive him to Jesus, literally to Jesus. What did Jesus do here? Even though he rebuked, right? You faithless people, we'll talk about that in a second again. But I love that Jesus doesn't walk away from this man, right? So often we feel that God is intimidated by our doubts or he's offended by our doubts, that if we were to bring him our doubts, he would say, whoa, why are we even having a conversation? If you don't believe me, why are you even praying? We may expect Jesus to have said, well, go get some more faith, come back and let's have a conversation. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He says, I want to help. And he does. He does. And even though Jesus does give the rebuke that we read earlier, you faithless people, how, much, how long must I be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Bring me the boy. Don't forget Jesus' compassion. He's a teacher also. Don't forget that. Jesus is teaching, and he's using this as a beautiful teachable moment of you need to learn how to have faith on your own, but you also need to learn how 
to own your faith. And part of owning faith is constant. It's what we just read. It's constantly going back to God saying, I can't do this. So Jesus is using it as a teachable moment, but he's also not walking away. He's not disgusted by his doubts. He's not deterred by his doubts. In other words, Jesus doesn't walk away from our doubts. He leans in. And that should provide a whole lot of comfort for, for you. It does for me, at least. That I can bring my faith, my little faith, and my lots of doubts. And Jesus doesn't walk away from them. He leans in. How can I grow Brian's faith because of all these doubts? That's what I believe Jesus is beginning to say. Because of your doubts, how can I grow their faith? So what do we do with that? Like, how do we kind of put this in our laps? Let me say this, and then we're going to talk about it just for a quick second. Trust Jesus with your doubts and ask him to grow your faith. Again, some of you may have grown up or had the, the perspective or the perception that if I have doubts, that means I'm not a Christian. And if I have doubts, that means I can't come to God. If, if I have doubts, then I'm, I'm lesser than. Like, we, gotta, we need to break through that. Trust Jesus with your doubts. Jesus, I have faith in you. I also have a whole lot of doubts. Jesus, I have a little bit of faith, but I'm not sure you can handle this. It seems too much. It's too big. Nobody else has been able to help. I think it's the impossible. I don't know what to do with it. I can't understand it. Trust Jesus with your doubts, but allow him to grow your faith. It's not, well, if you'll read more, pray more, do more, then, oh, you'll have more faith. Do those things help? Of course. But here's what I've experienced in my life, and here's what I think we see in Scripture throughout Old Testament and New Testament, is those doubts that we bring to Jesus, he uses those doubts to grow our faith. Think of it in this way with this man that we just read out of Mark chapter 9. What we might consider, we don't know his whole story, but based on what we do know, I would say this is probably his most desperate moment in life, is this dealing with his son that's been possessed by this evil spirit. So I'd say he's at his most desperate moment. He's experienced maybe his greatest season or moment of despair, hopelessness. It seems impossible. He's got a lot of doubts. Yet this was the moment that grew his faith. So your greatest moment of despair, your greatest moments of desperation, your biggest doubts, is it possible that God will use those doubts in your hand to grow your faith? I think it's a yes. So we walk into that space, that gap of impossible and unknown and uncertain. The space where doubts thrive. And we say, Jesus, I'm going to take a step into it. But I need you to grow my faith. I need you to deepen my faith. I need you to mature my faith. You know what a growing, deep, mature faith sounds like, looks like? Definition of it would be? That you trust Jesus more than you did before. Do you think after this story, this man trusts Jesus a little bit more? Yeah. Think he still had some doubts? Sure. What does it look like to trust Jesus just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more? When you look at your doubts, how do you trust Jesus with those? How do you take a step? You ready for this one? How do you take a step intentionally into things that cause you to doubt? Now you know what you're doing? You're putting yourself intentionally in a situation where Jesus can grow your faith. 
That's dangerous waters. That's a Jesus calling Peter out of the boat. Doesn't seem possible. Oh, but that's where he will grow your faith. So can I encourage you, don't hide your doubts. Don't cover up your doubts. Don't feel guilty or ashamed of your doubts. Say, Jesus, I've got doubts. Can't wait to see what you do with them. And I'm gonna take a step into it, which makes me even more nervous. I've got actually more doubts now, but Jesus, I can't wait to see how you're gonna grow my faith in the midst of my doubts. Your doubts, my doubts, show we have room for our faith to grow. To take a step into the deep end. Start taking steps up the ladder and see the kind of faith that he is gonna grow in you. Hebrews chapter 12, if you want more homework this week, read Hebrews chapter 11. A lot of great stories of faith and a lot of those stories of faith started with a whole lot of doubts. Hebrews chapter 12 sums it all up. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of the faith, let us strip up. Here's what we do. We're inspired by their doubts that grew their faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance, not go the other way, but we're running, the endur- running with endurance the race God has set before us. That means this is what God has led me to. This is the life that I've been handed, whether that's of my choice or not. I'm gonna walk the road he's put in front of me. But here's how we do that. Man, don't miss this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If you wanna have a faith that's growing, Jesus is the one that perfects it. He's the one that's gonna grow it. Would you bring him your doubts? If you would, if you'd close your eyes with me, I'm gonna read a prayer for you. If you have a hard time hearing me, you can sneak a peek at the screen, but I'm gonna read it for you. And I hope this becomes your prayer as we go into this last song. Oh Lord, thank you for my faith. Sustain it, strengthen it, deepen it. Don't let it fail. Make it the power of my life so that in everything I do, you get the glory as the great giver. Jesus, that's our prayer that you would be the one to grow our faith, that you would be the one to take our doubts and make those, turn those into moments that grow our faith and deepen our faith. We cannot do this without you. We cannot reach beyond our own capabilities, but we know you can do so much more. May we bring you our faith and our doubts. May our doubts drive us to you. So Jesus, we trust you with our doubts We trust that you are going to grow our faith. Help us to keep our eyes on you as you not just start our faith, but perfect it. In Jesus' name, amen.